Exciting news at This Week Health. Starting May 16th, our keynote show is moving to Thursdays. Catch every episode weekly on our This Week Health conference channel. Don't miss conversations with top health system leaders designed to transform healthcare one connection at a time. Subscribe to This Week Health conference and stay updated every Thursday. Today on This Week Health. Yes, there are complexities in healthcare, but I don't know if I would give the system that escape route to say, oh, it's different, so we can't do these things. No, we can. We just need to start somewhere and focus and make it simpler and more fluid, more convenient for users. Thanks for joining us on This Week Health Keynote. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a channel dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. Special thanks to our keynote show sponsors, Sirius Healthcare, VMware, Transparent, Press Ganey, Sempris, and Veritas for choosing to invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. All right, today we are joined by Tony Ambrosi, CDO, Chief Digital Officer and Chief Information Officer for Baptist Health South Florida. Tony, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation because you're doing so many interesting things, but your background is so interesting as well. So it's going to be fun. And we're going to focus in on really advancing the healthcare experience and what that looks like. But before we get there, my listeners want me to ask this question because I know about Baptist Health South Florida, but not everybody does. So give us a little rundown of what Baptist Health is about in South Florida. Sure. So first of all, I'll start with there are several Baptist Healths in the United States. And so we're the South Florida one. There is one in Jacksonville and it is one in Kentucky, I believe. So we're all separate and independent. Baptist Health of South Florida is a 12 hospital system. Started probably 60, 70 years ago, probably one of the largest in South Florida, if not the largest. We have hospitals, we have urgent cares, we have PCP, we have everything. And it's quite big, about 5, 000, $5 billion in, in revenues and about 25,000 employees plus another 10,000 associate folks. So it's, it's pretty big. A few years ago, a little bit of a context, a few years ago, the board and the executive team decided that digital and digital transformation is very important for Baptist and for healthcare. And therefore that digital, this digital journey has started there with me being hired about two years ago. So Baptist Health South Florida, it's primarily Miami. Is it Fort Lauderdale? How far north do you go? Because I'm in South Florida, I'm in Naples, but you're not on the, not on the we west side. On the west side, right? It's really South Florida, just Palm Beach County and below. Four counties system. Fantastic. Beautiful place in the country. Talk about your path to becoming a chief digital officer at Baptist. Talk about Baptist deciding to really pursue this digital journey and, and really your road to get there, because I think it's interesting and it lends itself to the background that you bring into this role. Of course. So you know, I'm, I'm going to date myself a little bit about 30 years ago, focusing on technology, computer software engineering, doing a few masters along the way. And then sometime in late nineties, I started with American Express, which is a fantastic company doing technology, doing digital. And then 
when the opportunity came and, and the things were ripe, I joined Disney Parks in 20, late 2013, again doing technology and digital. And then in 2020, I reached out to Baptist for this role. One thing that I would say is between all these jobs, I think there is one common thread, and that is transformation. Change, transformation at all levels. And uh, I think that's kind of what attracts me. Clearly, Baptist wanted to do this transformation, digital transformation, just as the other two companies at the time were doing all sorts of uh, transformational uh, initiatives. Let's talk about digital transformation a little bit. So Amex Financial Services and Disney Parks. And uh, so what does transformation look like in a financial services company? What were some of the things back when you were with them that digital transformation would look like? And also the parks, what would, what would uh, Disney digital transformation look like? Well, it's interesting because we didn't really call it digital transformation. We just call it digital experiences in particular, because it is all about experiences where there is, as Disney says, front of the house facing guests or back of the house. And so it was really about doing digital across the board. When I joined uh, American Express, starting doing work for them late 90s, I believe, there was the internet and e-commerce, what we called e-commerce at that time. Now we call it an overall digital. So it was building those capabilities that would allow consumers to interact through digital technologies with the company and do their business, obviously in the best of possible way. With Disney, it was something very similar as the expansion of web and then mobile. And clearly when I started at Disney, those were being revamped, rebuilt to the point where now clearly people go to Disney for all the magic that Disney parks provide, but technology is indispensable at this point to navigate and to find what you want and what you care for the best. The last time I was at a Disney park, and this is going to lead into the healthcare discussion. The last time I was at a Disney park, I stayed at a Disney hotel in Florida to give you context. So I, you stay at a Disney hotel there. They give you the wristband. Band. Yeah. And you go in, any picture that's taken is sort of linked to the band. Your credit card's linked to the band. I mean, you're paying for things. It becomes sort of a cashless kind of experience. Your hotel key is mm -hmm. the band. I mean, the reason I bring that up is because... There are so many things in healthcare where we're like, we experience something like that. And like, why can't we have that experience when we walk onto a healthcare campus? Is there a reason we can't have that experience today? Well, there are explanations. I don't think there are showstoppers or obstacles. We just, we just need to work for them. Uh, the uh, magic bands that you mentioned was a very, very comprehensive initiative. It started before I joined. So in all disclosure, with a great vision to link things together, to make things a lot easier for consumers, for guests. It's interesting, and I don't know if I, I don't think I disclose anything secret, but Disney parks, they are so rich in experiences. There's so much to see and experience that actually sometimes it's a little bit stressing. And so the, the goal was always, how do we make that while optimizing what people can do and can see, how do you make that as fluid? Coming back to healthcare, I think you're, you're absolutely right. We should and we could 
And that's what we're focusing here, at my team and I, and the others here at Baptist. There's a lot of folks, there are a lot of folks who believe that clearly healthcare is different, and it is in some, in some aspects, but there are others that are, other aspects that are very straightforward, and it's incumbent upon us to kind of build those experiences. Part of the reason why I'm here from a Baptist perspective is they were looking for somebody coming from outside with a background in consumer and consumer experiences and to be able to bring those in-house. One of the things that you clearly identified with Magic Bands is they follow you through in a good way. I heard that there was some controversy at the very beginning. There is some sort of monitoring of people that are but whenever you need it, you have it, and it opens doors, so to speak. And it actually opens physical doors, but just as you said, it does a lot of other things. Now I believe you can do the same with mobile phones, all those things. So it's a helper, it's an enabler. But one of the main things is that it, it enables across the journey. So you're not lost, you don't have gaps. It's a journey, it's a well thought through process, and that's what we're trying to do here. Yes, there are complexities in healthcare this uh, very well but I don't know if I would give the system that escape route to say oh it's different so we can't do these things no we can we just need to start somewhere and focus and make it simpler and more fluid more convenient for users so let's let's go into you, you've been in the role for what two years now almost two years yes so experience, we're looking to create experiences. Where do you start? I mean, how do you identify the experience you're looking to create? You come in from outside of healthcare. Clearly you spend a lot of time with clinicians and understand healthcare, but then how do you narrow down on, all right, here's an experience that would benefit our community, that would benefit our clinicians and our patients, our consumers. How do you come up with that list that you're going to work on? So I think at four, it's interesting because it, it, clearly it's a whole, it's different actors, different entities in the whole. I've split this for management purposes, if you want, or managing the transformation, the change into four parts. One is consumers. And the way I discovered define consumers is they're trying to get in and get access to care or access to the information. Then number two would be patients. So they're inside, either in a, a consult room or in a, a hospital room. What are those experiences for them? Then is the clinician, the providers, the operations, clinical operations folks. What are their experiences? And then is and then the fourth would be, let's say, the general administration and staff, right? But the way normally we, we start these things is trying to understand, let's say for consumers, first and foremost, trying to understand what their normal journey is and needs to be. And then you define that as a flow. And again, it's a, it's a journey, just as we talked about the bands, is not just a particular interaction, but is the flow of interactions. Because in the end, that's, that's what it is. Even if you look at a simple primary care visit is a finding that primary care or that a practice, booking an appointment, checking in, paying, whatever it is, and following through and getting access to the results of, of that visit. And so the journey is, is a flow, but there are touch points. 
the important part about the touch points is we always have to think about the next one. So there has to be a linking to the next touch point in that flow. In that, how do you make? Because you know, in a touch point, you get a certain set of activities, but they lead to something else, right? From booking, and you actually go and see it, and then you you're checking. So it's about defining those or discovering those, I should say. This is like a ethnography process, simply defining what the customer needs, consumer needs are, and defining that a journey. So it's always about the journey uh, with identifying the, the touch points. Now, clearly, it's useful for my team and I that we do come from the outside with a maybe at a mindset, but also definitely a consumer and patient, consumer healthcare hat. And so we come in and we look at what would be the experience that we would want as patients. From there, once that is defined, I think the journeys, the implementation, the experience of that journey and the tools and the technologies to support that experience are defined by the digital team which includes the product managers, creatives, technologists, and experienced folks. That team, I cannot overemphasize how important it is to have that team that is able to come up with a, at least the first draft of that experience, however it is implemented, to put in front of consumers. And one thing I would a pitch for us technologists, there are some of the technologists are surprisingly savvy at good experiences and in good creatives and in product management. And so that's good. And then as we have that, we validate that experience with, or proposed experience with consumers, whether in small batches or pilots, or even after a product is launched, we validate and continuously upgrade and up tune the experience. It's interesting that it's been the case everywhere and I think others have. Sometimes even the best of thoughts and thought process or even asking consumers what they want doesn't really reveal interesting actions to a product that you get through a lot of people using it, using it in, in, in interesting ways or having problems that nobody thought about it. And that's inevitable, by the way. But uh, you, know, you have to be ready to tune and change a little bit and adapt. We'll get back to our show in just a moment. I wanted to take this opportunity to share with you our next webinars on October 13th. We have Delivering Better Patient Experiences with Modern Digital Infrastructure. During this conversation, we're going to discuss multi-cloud, how to modernize health IT, and a blueprint for creating an agile digital infrastructure without impacting the quality of care. If all those things sound really complicated, we're going to make them less complicated for you on this webinar. This webinar has five campaign episodes. You can view them before the webinar to learn more. You can find these episodes as they release and register for the webinar at thisweekhealth.com. Click on the upcoming webinar section in the top right-hand corner, and I look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, so a good digital process begets data, right? So I think of the magic band, we said it doesn't really track people, but to a certain extent it does. When I sort of badge in and pay for something, it sort of 
has this path that I'm going through the park and it can see where I get stuck or those kind of things. And that also, I would assume, can the, the data that comes out of the digital exhaust, if you will, that comes out of that process can also inform what is working and what isn't working in that process. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I said is a lot of the information you get from real life and you collect and you observe, asking folks what they want and what they like is useful, but with a limited. Not always more, accurate. <laughs> not always accurate at all. And then they say one thing, and you know, I read uh, Tony Fadell's book, Build, and he said they tell you one thing on Friday and another one on but that's, that's why it's important not to just listen to what they say, but see what they do and how they do it. And it's exactly that, the ability to measure in an anonymized way. Nobody is judging you for using the app in a particular way. But what we can do is an aggregate way is say, hey, most people do this in the app, therefore let's optimize it for, for the experience of most people. And that's, that's true. Where do they go? What do they like to do? And even more interestingly, how would we be able, and I'm talking about in general, how would we be able to, and their experience, you do the, the map apps on the phone, Google, Apple, they have algorithms to try to direct you away from, from a bottleneck in the traffic, right? And that's very similar to what we're trying to do. Obviously, their technology and their sophistication is a different level, but if I propose a particular flow through the system or in a park, can I, can I guide it in a way that it avoids bottlenecks and maybe sends you one place that way you can get the service faster versus another? And that indeed comes from collecting that at an aggregate level. Tony, talk to me about the, I don't want to go to the technology yet because the technology is sort of the last thing, but maybe not the last thing, but it serves whatever journey you come up with. You can do anything with software, good or bad. That's the rule number one. Yeah. So let's start with when you're redoing things. So you redo the magic band. There's an awful large operational lift, isn't there? I mean, you have to, I, I would assume that's one of the things that slows us down in healthcare. I mean, if you put the magic band in place, you have to retrain the photographers in the park and you have to re you have to swap out some equipment in order to make that work and that kind of stuff. Is that one of the things that slows us down in healthcare? I think so. And some of the, it, you're absolutely right about the magic band. Some of it happened before my time there, but I know it was a huge, huge endeavor. But it, again, it was from that obsessive focus that Disney and Amex have on consumer experiences. People really believed, and they were right, that this, that particular experience based on that technology improve dramatically the experiences for, for folks. The ability to basically walk around the park and things are just happening for you and they get sent to the right place. You can buy it and you can be sent to your, your hotel room. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to carry bags full of gifts for the park. Some of the merchandise in the park is, is unique and it's super attractive. And then what do you do? But that also, that is also thought through, was also thought through. But you're right, it was a huge, huge change. And that is part of what is difficult in healthcare. There are a lot of processes that will need to change. They are changing and that takes time and effort and, and focus. Frankly, a lot of companies even outside healthcare would benefit from their magic band project. If you want 
but some, most of them do. So that's a credit to Disney, to the leadership, all the way from coming down from Bob JPEG into the folks. In but yes, uh, no, absolutely, there will be some things we change, uh, they need, absolutely need to change. But they, this is the interesting balancing. You want to create that experience for the consumer, for the user, or whatever it is in whatever industry. How do you do that the soonest without going into completely refactoring and re-engineering all the operational processes? That's the balance. Some of them have to be changed as you go, some not, because you can easily go into that tangent and say, hey, I have all these opportunities here in operations and automation or maybe data and all sorts of things. But you have to also be mindful that you do want to deliver to most folks the soonest possible some capabilities and not wait for years for all that transformation to happen. And then that was the case also in Disney and, and, and American Express. Things were being offered and lives were being improved today, even though behind the scenes a lot of the transformation took took longer, usually by uh, through, uh, through the need of upgrading systems, uplifting systems. As an equal opportunity shout out, I think I did four or five transactions on my Chase account today that probably would have taken me an hour at the bank, like meeting with different people and that kind of stuff. It's an hour out of my life. In fact, right now we're, we're talking, this will tell people when we're recording this, we're talking during the Apple event. So the Apple event is actually happening exactly right now. Right now, yes. It, it is happening. And uh, the phone really has has changed things. I mean, even the magic, you don't carry the magic band anymore. It's it's on your phone because you identify that, yourself on the phone. Then anywhere you use your phone, you can get that personalized experience. It, it knows that, oh, that right. phone is connected to, to you, which is one of the things that the band did. It, it, one of the first things you did is you connected that band to Bill Russell so that anywhere you went in the park, it knew that was Bill Russell and, and here's and his account. That's exactly right. And that was one of the, the fundamentals of that project. And that is now you can identify yourself as you go through the park. Before it was anybody could get a ticket. That's still possible, but it's not as valuable or rewarding. But now you have the band or you have the phone. You indeed, you can identify and you can get recommendations. But yeah. The phones changed uh, a lot. We have a mobile-first strategy. Clearly, that's not a rocket science these days. It's probably 10 years after all the others have done it. And for the simple reason is, yes, the form factor is, is as such, but the phone follows you. And frankly, sometimes you follow the phone, right? And therefore, it opens and location insights that otherwise you wouldn't have. Right. Uh, right? So that's tremendous. The amazing thing about this is we talk about personalization, but personalization is one of the things we're looking for in healthcare. Obviously, that's one of the experiences. When you talk to people, one of the things they'll tell you right out of the shoot is, I'm, I'm tired of the episodic nature of healthcare. I go see my primary care physician, then they send me somewhere else. And the next place I go, they act like they've never heard of me or seen me before. And I have to give them a bunch of information again. And then they send me to get blood work and they've never seen me or heard from me. Now we're getting better at passing those transactions around, but the experience to the patient still feels disjointed. How are we starting to knit those things together? It does feel disjointed and it feels confusing where I am, what am I doing? But that's where going back to those journeys that you, you identify, you say, this is 
this is a particular use case persona, however you want to, to structure it. And, and then, then you define what those, those the, the journey is and those, those touch points in ways that indeed, not only you can pass the information, because the information actually follows the user. And so is the next touch point has that information, has that access absolutely through the mobile or for whatever, definitely for a digital profile account. There's a way to, just like with the magic band, you can identify yourself to the next, next point. Who, next touch point, at which you're expected, you're known. I hate those forms. That's why some of the things that we do is once you have a profile and with that is you put your driving license because that's required to identify that you're the right person to, to provide the care and insurance, your PCP, prefer pharmacy, whatever else, your dose consents to, once you have that, the only thing, frankly, you can, you need to say, you go in and say, I'm here. I mean, literally, I'm here. And they say, okay, you're here, please come in. Because not all the other questions have, have been answered somehow. And the process behind, it takes care to make sure that when you come, you, you go through that journey, whatever has to happen and behind the scenes has happened. And there are all sorts of improvements in between one visit or another. Yeah, conceivably, this is the part which is a little bit different in healthcare. Conceivably, you could have changed your insurance, for example. Yep. And everybody says, oh, I need to check that insurance. Yeah, there's a way to for us to do that behind the scenes. And then if you indeed change it, then we don't have the new one to say, hey, would you mind updating that? And then once that happened, I don't need to ask where you're in the front of the, the front desk. That's part of how we are defining that journey and that it, it is a, an obsession, by the way. And people say, you're spending a lot of time on that. And then I'm like, yeah, that's what it takes to make it different. In terms of transactional versus, we want through our digital capabilities to enhance the relationship. To There's a relationship, a lot of folks have a relationship, Baptist one of the most well-known healthcare entities in South Florida. There are a lot of folks who basically, they were born there and now their kids are born there and, and that sort of thing. They're, we want to make sure that through our digital capabilities we help build that relationship if it doesn't exist and we enhance it and we maintain it somebody said well nobody comes to to a hospital because they can use a fancy app i'm like you're absolutely right they come to the hospital not even for getting the care they want to get better they want to be back with their health as they as they was but we try to not just enable transactions, but to maintain their relationship. And sometimes that means, and that's, that's for our future, in our future, in our vision is, how do we enhance and enable folks in between visits to maintain better health? And that's a whole conversation in itself, but we're building relationships and you're not missed, you're not lost. While we don't see you, you're not lost as much as possible. Yes, sure, some changes have to happen in the payer structure to enable that even beyond the, the pop health space. But we do think about how to maintain that relationship in a way, not for bringing in people into for acute transactions, but to enhance their health. Yeah, so 
And one of the things is we're starting to touch people a lot more outside of the campus where, as you talked about developing that relationship. And one of the things about that relationship is as with any relationship, it's communication. So obviously you're building out multi-channel capability to reach out. Plus the complexity, I think about the market that you're in, the complexity of the market you're in, I would imagine is, I don't know how many languages, but it's probably similar to Southern California. We had five or six primary languages. Every time we did something in a digital fashion, we had to figure out the complexities of that as well. Talk about your omni-channel. How are you communicating with the patients in between visits? How are you creating that digital connection in between visits? Talking about multi-languages, yes, we support at least two, English and Spanish. And then probably others on the way. And I think that was the case there at, at, at Disney as well. And that's, that's important. And sometimes it's complex and just pure from an interface perspective is how do you design those elements for different languages? Some languages express the same thing in shorter ways, some in longer ways. But the channels are clearly you have the web and we're trying to, as I said, mobile first, but the web has to stay reasonably with parity. A mobile app is very important because that's where we can communicate carefully and notifications. And notifications are not just, hey, it's a reminder for an appointment tomorrow, what have you, which is important. Are you doing off the shelf or are you building that out? We are, we started with, again, looking at the experience. And then we said, okay, how do we put this together? But in a way that doesn't look like a Frankenstein monster. A lot of places where I go as a patient, and by the way, I live in Orlando, not in South Florida. So I try to get my care at Baptist, but that's not always the possible. Sometimes it's, it's very patchy. And as this system, and, and you're right, they ask me all the information because they're not integrated to the EHR or they go to the other system. So we said, how do we enable one experience like the one you have, let's say, in the Amex app or in the, in the Disney app? It's one and you log in once and you have access to all the things and therefore sometimes we can reuse or reuse but most of the times we learn that in order to get to that experience and to be able to do things especially real-time integration into the hr a lot of these healthcare startups they're kind of disconnected there's basically glorified web forms and then there's some sort of semi-manual process to get things from within, uh, from those into EHR. We need to have full integration. And sometimes that means we are building it ourselves. And that sounds scary to folks. I was on a panel some a year ago where the CEO of that system, they said, no, no, we, we don't build anything. We buy everything. And that's a choice. It's a valid choice, but sometimes it's not just the usability and the experience, but it's also the functionality that you can't really just with vendors, surprisingly enough. So from an omni-channel standpoint, the communication, you have the mobile app, you have web, you have email. I, I would imagine you're using texting and, and whatnot. How do you personalize that? Now, if you're doing orthopedics, you could be doing that for a high school athlete, and you could also be doing it for an 85-year-old hip replacement. How do you try to deliver the communication in the channel that's going to get the most response? Well, it's, it's basically identifying who the consumer is, 
different personas, just as you said, and what is the best, the best approach, we're going to introduce the ability for consumers to define their type of interactions in their channels. So like some of them, uh, they basically say, no, just, just text me. I don't care. I don't read emails. My wife is the other way around. Send me emails. I don't care about texts. And so that, that will be a way. But there are also others where meaningful notifications could only happen in a more sophisticated ecosystem like the mobile app. And that's, that's where we think through what is the best way to not inundate consumers with all sorts of things, but also what's the medium where they're most useful. And it just so happens that the mobile app is much richer because you get a notification there and then there's a link to something else in there that makes it useful versus a simple text. But sometimes the text is, is what you have, but it's attention to what is the journey, where are they in the journey, and what's the best way to get attention and get them help. All right. So, Tony, I'm going to ask you to put your, your uh, I don't know, your forward-thinking hat on here, and I'm going to give you a little bit of power and say, what could we change in healthcare? What would a change be in healthcare? Let's assume you had the ear of an EHR CEO or you had the ear of the president or the head of HHS or CMS, somebody who, who can make some changes. Are there changes that would help us to start to jumpstart this? It, it's kind of funny because you, you said the same thing I did. When I came into healthcare, I said, we're going to move to the cloud. And they're like, oh, oh, don't get too, that's too far out there. I'm like, no, no, look, this is like 10 years past. Everybody else went to the cloud 10 years ago. We're just, it's not like we're doing it for the first time. Healthcare still lags other industries. Is there a conversation that you would have with one of those entities to say, hey, if you make this change, we could, we could really move things forward a lot quicker to benefit the clinician and the patient? Of course, and I think that's that's exactly. It's just that you have to have lots of conversations with lots of folks. And I had the same. I got the same thing when I came about the cloud. Oh no, no, no! This is not going to work for us. And I, and I basically said, "Is something? Do electrons go through the kid in the copper wires in a different way than in healthcare?" And yeah, look, it's the PHI information very important, but so is PCI for a financial company, right? There are ways, frankly, to protect that they're at least as good, if not better, than uh, on-prem. But going to the, your main question is, yes, there have to be a lot of conversation. And if you were talking about, the, the, you said the CEO of an EHR, I assume one of the EHR companies, yeah. I would tell them, focus on the provider experience. Because it's just madness. I would never design my consumer experiences. And clearly, they're more sophisticated, more complex. But the way that some of the... UI UX is designed in those EHRs. And some of it is, frankly, it looks like a Windows 95, Microsoft Access and Windows 95. That's a lot. Yeah, we can talk about machine learning, about how it gets the intelligent and the system having all this in intelligence. Just start there because it's just, it's just madness. We wouldn't, frankly, we wouldn't ask elsewhere people to do such a cumbersome, have such a cumbersome experience on their desktops as we're asking physicians and, and other providers to do with those. So focus there. And I told a number of, of those folks and they're getting it, they're absolutely getting it, but it's, it's still a long, long journey. Provider CEOs, provider system CEOs, 
I think it's just a conversation of these are the benefits. And usually as well, is there a benefit for the operations, for the system? And you can talk about consumer satisfaction, patient satisfaction, patient loyalty that gets built through great experiences over long periods of time. But there's always an element of show and tell or tell and show, if you, however you wanted to say, okay, let's start small and let's see how it goes. And then we can extrapolate and you have a success and they say, and then you, and then you say, let's go, go a little bit bigger or make a little bit more changes or add or build more. And then you, they can extrapolate and then they can see. One thing that is it's interesting is it's just something that others have learned many years ago with the self-servicing. It empowers the users. Absolutely. But also it's interesting. It simplifies some things for the operations for the company. I don't have to, I being a front desk person or a, somebody on taking a call to actually create the appointment because the patient did and the information is there and they just said, I want this at this time and this date and with this provider. So it's interesting that there are benefits simply because of that. And if you think about it, all those places where you go and you get the stack of papers and it's all sorts of things and, and, and consents and what have you, somebody has to do something with those, put them in a system. Well, that's, you're, you're eliminating that. And so there is a benefit to the system not in necessarily reducing costs, but which is also important because it's cost for, for providers, it's cost for patients, but also the, the, the ability to redirect some of that labor that you would actually to something that is closer to the patient health. All right. Let me ask you, we'll close out with this question and this, this will be a fun one. So CVS just bought Signify Health. So their plans, they, they want to go after primary care and MSO and also home. Amazon Care has been talked about over and over again. You have United Healthcare, obviously, is a big player, and their digital initiatives continue to get better. Walmart has plans in terms of healthcare as well. As, as you as you look at that landscape, what do you think of that landscape? What does that landscape mean to to Baptist Health South Florida? Incidentally, I just saw this morning something that we're united and. Walmart are joining for some, for some capability, which is interesting. I think that clearly, and I said this before, the healthcare system in the U.S. has enormous dysfunctionalities, and I'm not saying anything that the smarter people haven't said before me, to say the least. I mean, we're more expensive than everybody else, and yet we're number 39 in the world, which is crazy. So there is that, and then there is the patients have in general, level of frustration with the system that is a rather, a rather pervasive in the system as a whole in the United States, I'm saying, talking about. Plus, the other trends that affect basically most of the Western world, the developed world, we're all getting older and the providers are getting older. So we need to do something because it's not going to, we're all going to be needing more health and we're going to be able to dispense less unless there are some changes and some changes come through technology and more things to be done on a continuous basis not episodic but at home or whatever 
however much that that is possible i think that, that that's going to be happen more and more and there are the these business opportunities i think that a lot of folks are seeing this gigantic four trillion dollars spent on healthcare and then they say we want a, a cut of it and they do bring some some capabilities that would be beneficial so i think for providers the traditional providers per se i believe my message would be buckle up because there are going to be a lot of changes some of them will not be successful but just because one particular thing is shut down doesn't mean that this trend is not happening and not going to succeed because it's just the scale or the the incentives for change are so so incredibly great that that's not going to go away there was a lot of heavy has been said about amazon care i think it was a limited thing they shut it down everybody says see they failed i didn't think that they were but you know they're going to try to do more and that will mean the provider systems redefining what they are and what they're good at and i think baptist is good at a lot of things that and neither cvs nor at least in our geographic area neither cvs nor amazon is going to be for a very long time but we need to evolve and part of that is all of us we should be ramping up our digital digital capabilities at least to not be at the obvious disadvantage to to everyone else now going to a pcp is not a high acuity and if there is no digital the digital experience is miserable patients may say you know what i like dr x but everything around there the processes and the digital and the app and the web is terrible too much hassle i'll just go to amazon one medical yep. whatever it is that could happen i think everybody has to ramp up their digital offering because it's for their own benefit but also the, the benefit of consumers fantastic Tony, I want to thank you for your time. If you can convince the executives if they want to come over to West South Florida and then Baptist Health South Florida will cover the whole South Florida, I'd be open to that and more than happy to spearhead the conversation so you can acquire one of the smaller players over here because from a digital standpoint, it's it's almost non-existent. So, I think some of the things that I talk, and thank you again for inviting me, but other venues where I talk is is not about me. and sometimes it's not just about baptist is about spreading the word and how do you do things and what we can do some of us who are maybe a little bit more advanced thinking to spread and because that's going to be in the end if more systems and they don't all have to be associated with baptist but more systems more systems provide that digital experience to more of their patients those patients are going to be better off so that would be a good thing for me and us and to be able to push forward yeah Absolutely. Tony, thanks for your time. Really appreciate well, it. And I'm glad to introduce you to the community and look forward to catching up with you next year to see how things progress. What a great discussion. If you know someone that might benefit from a channel like this, from these kinds of discussions, go ahead and forward them a note. I know if I were a CIO today, I would have every one of my team members listening to a show like this one. It's conference level value every week. They can subscribe on our website thisweekhealth.com or wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast, everywhere. Go ahead, subscribe today. Send a note to someone and have them subscribe as well. We want to thank our keynote sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Those are Serious Healthcare, VMware, Transparent, Presgeny, Sempris, and Veritas. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.